Hi everyone, welcome to Season 2 of the Asian Hustle Network Podcast, where we interview Asian entrepreneurs and professionals around the world. And for this season, we're going to take our conversations deeper about our Asian identity and hustle stories. We also want to announce that we are hosting our first ever Asian Hustle Network Uplifted Conference next spring in Las Vegas. For more info and to reserve your seats, check out our website at asianhustlenetwork.com. Don't forget to grab a copy of our recently released book, Uplifted, Journeys of Abundance, Community, and Identity, which tells the personal stories of how 21 Asian American entrepreneurs are shifting culture. You can order it on our website as well. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. His name is David Ho. David is from Hawthorne, California, and is an owner of Arena K-Town, Arena SF, Sip Boba Lounge, and Academy of DJs. An ex-medical engineer with an unrelenting will to create and inspire, David seeks to create an impact in the entertainment and music industries and give opportunity to young hustlers out there. David, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. That was an awesome introduction. And that introduction was written two months ago. And since then, we have two more nightclubs. We've since then opened Commissary OC and Opal in the South Bay, San Jose area. So super excited to, to announce those two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, you are killing it. I think we said it oh, right before you. the podcast. that, And we're also really flattered that, you know, we know that you typically don't take interviews and that you're here in our podcast. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, thank you. I mean, you guys put it on for the Asian community and that's what we do too. So I couldn't say no. Of course, man. So let's hop into the first question so we get to know you better. Yeah. What was your upbringing like? Where'd you grow up and what was your like parents' expectations? Oh yeah, that's a good question. So I grew up in LA, Hawthorne, Inglewood to be exact. I didn't grow up with a community of Asians at all. I had some Asian friends, but my general community was a little bit more like, like on the urban side and it was a tough upbringing. I was bullied a lot. I was not accepted a lot. I was shorter than everyone, smaller than everyone. So I grew up with a big chip on my shoulder. And I think that's a real testament to who I became today. I've always felt that the need to prove it to the world a little bit, like, hey, you know, when when the going gets hard, you know, know that you weren't accepted before and you got to prove it to everyone else that you're worth it. So that's a little bit of my upbringing to like boil it down to a nutshell. I grew up in like lower middle class and just uh, not always feeling accepted totally. And then just using that as a like a catalyst to to push myself in skills and accolades and things like that. Yeah, and I can definitely appreciate that, right? And mm-hmm. I always feel like the people who have a chip on their shoulder with lots of things to prove. I don't know mm-hmm. why society always knocks those people down. It's like, oh, you have a chip <laughs> on your shoulder. Well, blah, blah. Yeah. I feel like those are go-getters, right? Yep. And like, you go out and do things because you have nothing to lose. Yep. And exactly. everything to prove. So mm-hmm. shout out for that. Thank you so uh, much. Just wanted to like shout out you as well. And I appreciate you bringing that up and like bullying and all of those stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's important to talk about it, you know, because yeah. not a lot of people would like to talk about it. You know, it's something that a lot of people have experienced in the past, which, you know, actually causes that chip on the shoulder. And I have that too, because mm-hmm. like I was bullied in the past for being mm-hmm. small as well. Mm-hmm. I'm actually 4'8". So wow. like, Brian knows this, like <laughs> everyone who knows me in person knows this, like I'm very, very petite. So it's like uh, one of those things that yeah. has always been something 
something that had bothered me at a young age, but it's like nowadays, it's like I use that to an advantage. Like I use that to pretty much show people like, you know, I'm stronger than, than who I used yeah. to be. Back you then. can take it one or two ways. Yeah. You can take it as a self deprivation. Like, oh man, I'm never going to make it. Or you can take yeah. it the opposite way. It's like, you know, I'm going to prove it to them. Oh, yeah. I'll do it. You know, yeah, I love for it. Sure. I love it. Yeah. I mean, shout out for that. I mean, we're kind of curious too, because you know, you started your career off as an engineer. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, you're like a pretty badass entrepreneur now, you know, <laughs> thank like, you, thank you. Obviously you walked down the path where you want to make your parents proud and like yeah. happy. Yeah. But after that requirement is done, it's like, okay, I worked a few years. What else can I do? Right. And then mm-hmm. I want to hear about that transition. Sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, this is an interesting transition. So I became an engineer because I've always been a tinkerer. Um, I've always messed around with things. My dad was a mechanic growing up. So I grew up fixing cars and, you know, playing with car parts in my backyard. So I've always known I was a very big tinkerer, but at the same time, I was like very creative at the same time. Like I would do like photography, graphic design, web design, et cetera, on my free time. So in college I did both. I did design and I did engineering and I kind of switched back and forth between majors. And I just ended up thinking to myself, like, what's more stable? Like at the end of the day, what's going to make me like not disappoint my parents and be stable in life. So I chose engineering. Didn't hate it. I actually enjoyed it a lot. And I went down the engineering pathway first in petroleum engineering and then into biomedical engineering. And, you know, I liked it. I learned a lot. I learned about like teamwork and structure of like corporate ladder and like, you know, where you should be and how you should talk to people. But for me, it was always like a little bit too slow. Like the money was too slow and the projects were too slow. And, you know, you work in, especially in the medical engineering field, you work on the same project for like three years and it's like, you you change a screw on a part and it's like, oh man, like, yeah, I mean, I worked pretty hard. I did a lot of tests, but like, did I really affect humankind that much? Probably not. So I always knew I wanted to do something further than engineering just because, you know, it just didn't fulfill the fact of like making a splash on the world for me. So I started Academy of DJs, which is a DJ school. I've always DJed my whole life and I felt like, hey, might as well give back. And that was that like unleashed my creative like, oh man, like I can not only do the logistical side of a business, I can do the marketing and and the hype side and then I can really change people's lives. And that kind of started me on the itch of like, oh man, I got to do more, right? And Arena actually kind of like serendipitously fell on my lap. So you know how people say like, what's the phrase? Luck is preparation meets opportunity. That was arena for me. So I've DJed my whole life and I got picked up by a promotion company when I was 18 years old. So I, I was DJing for this Asian promotion company called Underworld and they did all the Hollywood parties in LA. You guys are laughing because maybe you guys know it, right? Yeah, yes, we were so Underworld. familiar with Underworld. Oh, oh you guys are familiar with it? Yeah, <laughs> I haven't heard that name in so long. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. That's I remember so the logo too with the flames and everything yeah yeah it's actually a hand but yeah so yeah so yeah it's a red logo anyways i got picked up by underworld when i was 18 years old and that's their their motto like college students college parties and that you know that was i really wanted to be a dj like a like a nightclub dj so i got picked up and i signed with them and you know i was just very loyal i was a hard worker i never missed one dj gig i never was late i never i never did bad i always prepared for my gigs and you know i got very close with the team and i became the manager you know and i've been loyal for them for about 10 years at that point. And then the owner of Underworld Jackson, he went to do a party at Arena, right? Arena K-Town. And they said, hey, we're going to close before you do your party. Like we can't make rent. We can't. We're so behind on everything. Do you just want to buy it? And then he was like, oh, shoot, maybe. And then, you know, you know, we, they talked numbers, et cetera, et cetera. But he had a fundraise. He had a, or not fundraise, but like 
get investors, blah, 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 to get, get the money. And he asked me and I was like, oh man, this, that's a lot of, that's a big risk. You know, in retrospect, it's like, oh yeah, duh, invest in a nightclub. You're gonna make a lot of money, but you know, it's a huge risk. And me coming from engineering background, I'm very risk adverse. And I was like, I don't know, man, you know, I'll do, I'll do it, but I gotta be a silent partner. Like I'm, I got, I'm so busy with engineering and academy of DJs. I don't know if I can dedicate any more time to, to running a nightclub, you know? So I invested some money and I was a silent partner. All I was supposed to do is book DJs because I had the school and then I saw like their marketing and their website and everything they did. And I was like, ah, man, my name's on this. Like, you know, like I, I can't. I can't. So I just took over like pro bono. I was like, guys, I'm sorry. I got to take over. So I took over and in two weeks, I came up with the I do it for the Ratchets campaign. I did the website, I did the marketing. I changed it to Arena K-Town. It was called Arena Ultra Lounge at one point. And I was just like, dude, we got we to gotta do it this way. This is the cool way. So I'll credit myself to the I do it for the Ratchets and the whole campaign and all that kind of the whole like uh, like house party hip hop vibe was like my thing at the time. I was like, oh, we got to do it like this. So yeah, that's how that's how Arena came to be. And then, you know, push came to shove and this, this and that, you know, the money came in and it was like, oh my God, I can't believe we could make that much money selling alcohol and, and bottle service and everyone loves us. Like we didn't, we did not expect that at all. The original plan for arena was to buy it, throw a few parties and flip the business. Like, Hey, in a year, we'll just sell it to somebody else and just make our money back. Right. And then we just made so much money in the first few months. We were like, there's no way we're selling this thing. So yeah, that's kind of like the inception story of it. Oh my gosh. That is crazy. I did not know any of this and yeah, I didn't know. Most like, people don't. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, so it seems like how they were marketing it, like you weren't happy with the way they, and especially because your name was attached yeah. to it already. Mm -hmm. So yeah. at that point you were like, okay, if my name's going to be on this, I want it to be this way. Right. Yes. yes. And it's like, the crazy thing is like, it blew up so big and you come from an engineering background. So mm -hmm. it's not like you had a lot of marketing background either. Yeah. I'm sure you like picked up on some marketing from mm -hmm. Academy of DJs, Yeah. but you just like blew it out of the water and you could like read the room on like what these people wanted mm -hmm. and like what the scene was like. Right. Yes. And the whole, I'll do it for the, I do it for the ratchets. Like everyone was in love with that. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like people are still in love with that. So, I mean, probably, <laughs> to you like Thank i did not so know much. that story at all so Thank it's just so, so amazing yeah, I, have, I have no right now actually my title is i'm the vice president of arena nightlife group but i'm also the chief marketing officer so i run the whole marketing team of all five nightclubs every single social media post every single design all the websites everything like that and i have zero background on it whatsoever That's so amazing another thing is like the ironic thing is you wanted to be a silent partner. David, yes. I feel like you're the face of Arena. <laughs> so I just think that's so funny. Yeah, it's totally the opposite of what I wanted. I, at first, at least, you know, at first I was like, Academy is Academy of my engineering job is my priority. Like, this is what makes the money. Like, this is like what I've done in the last five years. And then, yeah, I, I became the face of the company over the last five, four or five years. Just because Jackson, my other partners, uh, they're more on like the low key side. And I'm on the like creative, like DJ side. So it was just, it just... You know, I didn't, I was like, Hey, I'm going to be the face. Like it just, just so happened. That is yeah, that's crazy. I haven't heard like the name Jackson of the world so long, although I have heard it yeah. before. Yeah. yeah. And what's funny is you haven't heard of him, but he runs things. He runs a lot of the, he runs all the operations. He runs the acquisitions. He runs all the business deals. So he's, you know, he's, he's behind the scenes doing work. 
Shout out to Jackson. I think I met him like once, like back in the day, like yeah. 10, 12 years ago. I don't want to date myself, but <laughs> a long been, time ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't give too much credit to myself either. Cause you know, it's not easy running this game. You know, it's, it's a lot of business negotiations. It's a lot of like finding the right place. These clubs for sale weren't for sale on the market. It's not like you can go to a website, nightclubsforsale.com. You got to really like know the inner circle of operators and owners and such, and just like, offer them, like, Hey, let me buy you out, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's a lot of nit great work. Yeah, it's like it's never easy. And a lot of us don't even know the inside of like what goes on, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, I really appreciate you sharing that. But the one thing I really want to like commend you on is your timing. Yeah. Like, I feel like you guys got arena at a really good time because oh, yeah. there is no K Town clubs, everything's dying, right? And you just mm-hmm. got in at the right moment. It's like it totally erupted. Yeah. And I think I said the same thing recently too, a commissary lounge in the OC. Yeah. I'm just like, we're at me, Matt. You were there a couple of months ago. I'm like, man, like OC needs a club right now. It's gonna yeah. blow the heck up. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember Ryan and I were just driving around OC we're like, man, it's kind of dead in here. Yeah. It's kind of dead here. Yeah. But, yeah. I've been I've <laughs> I've been eyeing OC clubs for the last two years. And I swear to you, any OC club that you've heard of ever, I've talked to them about buying their club and I've almost done it. And there's always one thing, there's, there was always one thing like holding us back, like the owner either changes their mind or there is like provision on their licenses that they couldn't do this, this and that. And we're like, ah, oh, we can't risk our business. So yeah, this OC club has been a long time coming and I'm so happy to have. It. Yeah. Shout out, man. That's, that's huge props. And like one more credit to like the S up arena club. Mm-hmm. Like you got in also at a very good time. Perfect time. Yeah. Oh my. God, we gotta like, we gotta steal with that one too in the mission district yeah yeah let's talk about that real quick like what yeah. goes through your mind with you and your partners when you're out when you're about to make an acquisition is it completely timed out or like no is it is it like all luck where it's like oh shoot we got it let's open it now yeah i don't want to okay maybe not luck but it's window of opportunity you know yes we got arena k-town perfect time of like 2018 of like K-Town needed a nightclub. Like right now, K-Town's flurried with nightclubs. Like I low-key like think it's because of us. You know, we started the K-Town nightclub like resurgence. And then, you know, there's so many people that couldn't get into K-Town, Arena K-Town, that like nightclubs would pop out down the street and like all these other clubs would pop up with taking our like leftover people. But anyway, yeah. So yes, we do have good timing, but it's not that we planned it. I, I would I would love to give myself credit like, oh yeah, March 2018, let's open a club and that's going to be the perfect time ever. Yeah. I mean, yes, it was, but also it's, it's just the opportunities. Nightclubs are not like, if y'all was to open a restaurant, yes. Like I would time it like, Hey, like, you know, let's time it in the summer. So people like go out more, have more money, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but nightclubs, it's so few and far in between that are available. It's just, if it's available, buy it. That's, that's it. So, you know, in this last few months, we bought like three places and it was just because it was just because it was available and we we're like, it's so used to not having an open market like that. So yeah, timing is great. Timing luck was on our side with that one, but it was just, it was available at the right time. I love it. I love it. And I love the fact that you call out the competition, call them out, David, screw it. You know, you're the best one. <laughs> <laughs> you're best right now. No, no, no. And I'm kind of curious too, because I, I know a lot has happened so recently, right? In like the last mm-hmm. like three, four years. Yeah. How has your life changed? Because we feel like you're still very, very humble 
mm-hmm. you're, you haven't let like success really like change you as a person. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of curious, like how has your life personally changed from like, obviously from a financial perspective, but like, mm-hmm. like your personal growth in your family yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an awesome question. So uh, financially, I was able to quit my job <laughs> and nightclub world is, is very lucrative. So yeah, I've, I've been able to, you know, buy a house. I've been able to buy cars that I like, but generally I, I keep it very humble. I think it's a huge, I guess, moral compass of mine to never really let it get to my head. I still, you know, wear the same black shirt I wore when I was broke. You know, I don't really buy expensive things. I don't own a watch. I don't own jewelry. I just try to keep it the same. And, you know, like I think it's a slippery slope buying, living up to how much you make because you'll you'll never be satisfied. So yeah, I keep it humble. But I mean, I still like to buy things like I like, you know what I mean? Like I buy nice cars. I bought myself a Lotus just because I survived the pandemic. But, you know, I try to keep it like just one big purchase. That's it. You know, I don't live a lavish lifestyle or anything like that. Personally wise, I've grown so much these last four or five years. As I said, as a kid, I had a huge chip on my shoulder, right? Like I was like, I'm going to prove it to you, you, you and you that I'm going to be big one day. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to make it, I'm going to be this hot shot. I'm going to like be rich. I'm going to be famous, blah, blah, blah. blah. Like I just, that, that chip on my shoulder really drove me to have really high discipline when I was a child. Since then, it, you know, the discipline has stayed, but I'm not really like, I'm going to prove it to you anymore. You know, I got no one to prove it to besides myself now. But other than that, you know, these, the first two or three years of Arena Nightlife Group, I was like 1,000, 1 million percent dedicated. And that's like every moment of my life. I feel like still I am that way, but I've turned a corner a little bit in realization that like you might die alone <laughs> if you keep on doing this. And it's, it, I think it's a tough a tough thing for a lot of entrepreneurs like you can't keep relationships you can't keep friendships sometimes uh, you don't have time for you know people that you love your parents your family your your siblings so I, i've I definitely turned that corner in the last two years or a year just to consciously realize what you're doing you know like i still work 18 18 hour days 16 hour days but i consciously know it like hey you know you're sacrificing some time with your family or you haven't visited your dad in a while and you know at least it's in my conscience now that i do take some time off to further the things that i've I've put away in the past or not put away but like you know put on the back burner a little bit so yes personally I've, i've grown so much and you know even more now that i'm a little bit more mature in my in my tenure of uh nightclub ownership Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with you. You know, I think we hustle so hard and I'm sure during the first couple of years, you know, growing Arena K-Town, you were extremely busy. I'm sure you're still extremely busy, but Mm -hmm. it's so easy to just be so indulged with Mm -hmm. just hustling every single day. But, you know, like 10 years later, five years later or whatever, like we look back and we're like, we actually didn't spend enough time with our family or we didn't mm-hmm. spend enough time with our friends. And I'm Absolutely. glad that you're looking back and realizing that now because that's so important. Absolutely. And the matter of fact is like, yes, we might we might die alone. And, but we yeah. like none of us want to do that. Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, there's a lot of like monetary goals of your like, hey, I want to see my bank account at this number. I want to see my net worth at this number. And, you know, for me, I've, I definitely had those. And, and when I hit cer- certain accolades, you know, it was like probably one of one of my loneliest times of my life. You know, like I, I hit certain accolades I wanted to hit and I and I just look at it and I'm just like, how oh, was that worth it? You know, like, and it's just reflections of all the failed relationships, reflections of all the failed friendships, reflections of, you know, not being there for my parents enough, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, as maybe advice to young entrepreneurs, you know, it's a delicate balance. Yeah. And that statement really hit home for me. 
a lot because mm-hmm. you know I I felt the same way, right? And I feel like Asian Hustle Network is because I felt that way. Mm-hmm. You know, before I was doing a lot of real estate and you know flipping houses and you know making pretty good amount of money and doing mm-hmm. over, over like twenty projects, but like nice. end of day, it's like you realize that there's other things to life than just making money, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the the loneliness that you speak, it's like. People don't usually recognize that because when mm-hmm. you look at you on social media, you're having the best life ever, right? Every yeah. single picture is like a key in front of a building, <laughs> yeah. you know, like nice cars, but like deep inside, like we all go through our own struggles. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I really appreciate you, you speaking up about that. It's it's real. And I think every everyone that I know who's kind of on the same level as I am or doing the same kind of things all feel the same. You know, it's like, damn, man, you know, we got to really be there for each other more. 100%. Yeah. Maggie, I know you have a question. I do. Okay. So I want to take it back a little bit just when you were starting to find a location for Arena SF. Mm-hmm. I saw one of your reels and <laughs> it was such a good video because you were oh. talking about how what like the journey was like kind of mm-hmm. building out arena SF yeah. mm-hmm. and when you were hiring a construction agency or a construction company, I saw that they would only speak Cantonese and yeah. there's like no way to communicate with yeah, them. Zero can, way you, at all. can you talk about just like the nuances of which like communicating and working with so many different partners, not only the construction company, but like all these different partners to put together a nightclub okay. and just like the budget aspect of it and like how, how difficult it was. Cause I saw that it only took you four weeks four and weeks, I'm sure those weeks. four weeks were like grueling for you. Oh, yeah. And you were just like falling asleep at the club and falling mm-hmm. asleep in the office. But to me, like that is extremely fast, like four yeah. weeks to build a nightclub that yeah. like, I commend you for that, you but I want to know so like, easy. you make it look so easy. Yeah. I just, you know, hammer some things and paint some things in your <laughs> nightclub. Yeah. And in the video, <laughs> you're like, you would like rent a scissor lift by yourself and you mm-hmm. would just like install the lights by yourself. And yeah. that's just so amazing. I want to know like Thank the you. whole process of that and just like how you kind of dealt with the whole process. Sure. You know, I think my engineering background has a lot to do with me having to do things sometimes. Like sometimes I have to do it. Like I have to like put this light on or like, you know, I just don't trust other people or slash. I just want to learn. So yes, for to your first question, most general contractors we hired on number one would have taken too long. And number two, were like five times our budget. So we had to hire like local Cantonese Chinese dudes who like were like straight up from Chinatown, like you don't, I didn't understand a word they said. I'm Vietnamese myself. There was one of the dudes who spoke like broken English. So like he was a project manager and I like talked to him and he talked to his dudes. But sometimes I would just be with his dudes and I'd be like this, there, you know, like I would like do a lot of hand signs, like black paint and they would just like nod. And I'm like, oh man, they didn't get it. And I would just have to watch them like do it. And I'm like, no, 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 that, that there. So like I was like the second project manager. I pretty much lived there. Secondly, you know, shout out to my crew back in the day in Viscous. Uh, we used to do like like lighting and sound and DJing for like weddings, corporate events, et cetera, et cetera. And I learned a lot of the ropes of the game of like lighting design, lighting programming, and just general like production uh, from them. Uh, so when it came down to either hiring a production company, which would cost like honestly like $500,000 to do a nightclub or to do it myself and just buy the lights and program it and wire the club myself, it was an easy choice for me to just do it myself. And I've, every single nightclub that we own, I've... I've done the lighting and sound myself. I wired the whole wow. venue, electricity, DMX, XLR, programmed the lights, et cetera, et cetera. Even at commissary. Yeah. That is so amazing. 
I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah. You should like pat yourself on the back for that because <laughs> I feel like a lot of people would just like hire general contractors and just let them do whatever, mm-hmm. you know, or like just wait for them to finish it, which will most likely take a long time. Yes. But you like just took it upon yourself and, and especially because it's just like something that you don't, don't, didn't mind doing either. I love doing it. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's a passion of mine to build, you know, like I've, as an engineer, like you love working with your hands. So I love doing it. I saved a lot of money doing it and I did it faster than anybody else. So it's all wins in my book. We need a we need a documentary on your life and all <laughs> that you uh, you, you are doing, still doing, right? And it's like sounds yeah. crazy to hear. Yeah, I, I'm really bad at documenting things because like I just do it. Like if I want to do it, I do. It. I don't think about like recording it first or like hiring a videographer. So there's a lot of things that are undocumented. I have a lot of sketch things that I've done, like <laughs> hanging on the ceiling, like mounting a light and shit. Yeah, a lot oh of shit, God. a lot of sketchy stuff I've done. <laughs> it's not sketchy. It's just kind of adventurous, right? Yeah, adventurous is the right word. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, for me, it's like another level of appreciation when like you see a, a full nightclub and people partying and drinking, having a lot of fun and you just look up and you're like damn you know like i, I definitely like was part of this like I, I i put that up there or like i you know i programmed that thing it's it's a good feeling yeah i, I love that and my biggest takeaway from all everything you told us so far is that every single experience in your life no matter how small it is like becoming an entrepreneur you'll draw on these random experiences and yeah put it all together yep Hundred percent. You can't. You can't graduate college and just be like, "I'm going to be an entrepreneur." You could maybe in certain fields, but at least from what I've known and, and what I've experienced, it's like literally the accumulation of so many life experiences boiling down to these points uh, for me to be able to do all this. So I don't regret going into engineering. I don't regret DJing at Hollywood nightclubs when I was 18 years old. I don't regret any of this because it was really, you know made me who I am today. Yeah. It also prepared you to become the person you are today too. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And I know like your success, like we're so happy for you, but we want to talk about your, the times where I know you mentioned earlier too, the times where you felt a little bit sad, a little bit broken. Right. Mm -hmm. And especially I want to narrow it down to like the pandemic. Yeah. That right. was a when tough the time. pandemic hit. It was like, we're like yeah. holy moly. Like you guys immediately, like you start improvising immediately. You're like, we got some mobile. We're going to do this. We're yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh hear about, like start to finish, man. Like, Oh my God. Uh, what was going on? Oh my gosh. So March 13th, 2020. I remember the date exactly. That's when we closed the club, both clubs. And at first I was like, Oh, it's two weeks. This is going to be great. I'm going to get a vacation. Finally. You know, like I, I was like, thank God I needed a break. I was so stressed and tired because I just remodeled arena K town. So we remodeled arena K town to arena K town 2.0. Right. And it was a two week project. I pretty much did everything. I was so damn tired. We, we ran the club for about like a month and then the pandemic hit and I was like, ah, man, well, at least I get a little break. Right. And I thought it was going to last for two weeks, but you know, the news came in. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is actually a really big deal. And we started kind of panicking, you know, like, you know, our, on our heads at the time, we had about like $50,000 worth of rent on every month on our heads. And our landlords weren't cutting us any breaks. They were just like, hey, you know, you signed this lease, you owe us this money. And, you know, we were like, dude, we signed the lease for the opportunity to do business. We don't even have the opportunity to do business right now. Like, why do we pay full rent? So we were like very, um, man, dude, what are we going to do? And, you know, during the time the ABC 
see relinquished alcohol to go like you couldn't sell alcohol to go before but now you can because whatever and we're like no one's gonna buy an amf to go no one's gonna buy a shot of jameson to go so we i was tasked on the idea to like come up with something my first idea was like let's sell hainan chicken because people are hungry around k-town and sf and maybe you know that sounds good you know and like i was i was in my kitchen cooking hainan chicken like there's no way we're doing this shit this is just hard as fuck <laughs> then my second idea was like all right let's do like people are doing like a lot of parties like house parties and like parties within a households let's sell like party packs like let's sell like two bottles of alcohol like a twister game together and maybe and then i was like dude no one's gonna buy that man you can just go to ralph's and buy that shit so i was like oh man what are we gonna do and then we just came up with alcoholic bow we're like you know what people will not take the time to brew tea at home and then do all this like sweetener stuff and if you add alcohol to it which boba shops can't do because they don't have the alcohol license we can have a niche market. So I, I went in the lab. I literally knew nothing about making boba. I knew nothing about tea. I knew nothing about anything. So I'll just YouTube asking people. I was like cooking boba in my kitchen for a week and we came up with five, six flavors. And then we, and then I had some friends at Postmates. Sh shout out Ben Trin. At the time, I was like, Ben, get me on Postmates. Like I'm going to do alcoholic boba to go. So we did Postmates. We did pickup and it kind of blew up at first. I was like, dude, we got so many orders. Like we were making like a couple thousand dollars a day on boba. We we're like, dude, this is crazy. And I was working myself to the bone. I was like cooking. I was like making my recipe for like popcorn chicken people who know me in that that time i could not cook at all like i was so bad at cooking but like i had to do this so i came up with a recipe for everything i learned from a to z how to make boba like your steep times your times in the honey like what the texture should be like the sweetness how that should be how much alcohol you should add to each cup like learning how to seal it like i learned everything in like two weeks and then we just launched and we we, we went oh my gosh that's crazy yeah. now now look at you you're you're a mixologist you're just <laughs> master chef yeah <laughs> All now, of these now i can uh yeah i i know boba in and out now for sure and yeah so going back to the original question yeah uh, pandemic was rough super rough and that's that's when i i had a lot of revelation of like man like people don't really like do people actually like me or do people just care that i can get them in the club you know what i mean like like all of a sudden my phone goes from like pulling up 200 messages every friday saturday night to like nobody you know it's like damn like who's the real ones here you know so pandemic was tough mentally because of that like i had a, a stark realizations of the real friends and the club friends and then i had you know the business pressure of, of making it and i the end of the pandemic was the hardest for me because San Francisco was able to open for LA as a restaurant. So we opened up Arena SF as a restaurant. Uh, then we had to come up with food. Like I've never, I'm never like, I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to like, I don't know like what to serve as a restaurant. So we came up with like Korean fried chicken. We had to come up with a recipe for that. We had the boba, we had fries, we had like lumpia. We had all these like Asian inspired foods at the club or at the club. And there was so much red tape. We would have health inspectors coming every night. No one could be standing, right? And it's, it's a nightclub. You know, people are going to stand, you know, so no one can be standing. No one can have their mask off if they're not actively eating or drinking. Uh, no one can dance whatsoever. No one can come with a party outside their household. So you had to check ad.
addresses and it was just so much red tape and it was so stressful for me because we had all this rent on our head i was literally outside on mission street like begging people to eat my french fries you know like i felt like at the lowest point of my life i was just like i can't believe i had the hottest club just a year ago and now i'm begging people to eat french fries on the street you know like i was glad it happened because my life until then was like a fairy tale entrepreneur life you know like i got into it i made a lot of money and it was just like you know people loving you all of a sudden and like everyone's like what's arena who's do blah blah blah. like everyone knows you all of a sudden to like me on the street ask for like a a five dollar french fry order you know like so i definitely uh, needed that realization that business isn't always handed to you so it was tough yeah that it's the most humbling experience. Oh, yeah, I really it ground you out. It was. In retrospect, it gives you a better view of the world, who your friends are. Yeah. And like, honestly, like success is rented every day, right? Mm-hmm. It's not always guaranteed. And it helps you think bigger term, like how can I be more sustainable, like sustainable business. Right? Yeah, 100%. That never happens again, ever. Yes. Yeah, or or prepare, be prepared for it to happen again, right? And get your finances right so you can survive another pandemic. Or, you know, never take on more than you can chew because it could leave one day. Your hype can leave one day. Someone can get injured at your club and, and you could shut down, you know? Like, so, they, you know, we've had a lot of... Luckily, we haven't had any, any troubles besides the pandemic, but we've definitely have opened our eyes up more to, like, it's not all glitter and gold out here. Yeah. And just wanted to, like, thank you for... You know sharing that with us and yeah i'm sure that was such like a like a hard time for you and you know, deep. it was yeah it's really, deep. really and deep a lot of people when they talk about the pandemic and their business they talk about the financial implications but mm-hmm. for you you know you went a little bit deeper and talked about like who are my real friends like i yeah. used to get hit up every single day and now it's like no one's hitting me up you know mm-hmm. and i bet you never thought you would be running a restaurant right so it's like yeah. you had to adapt and that's exactly yeah. what you did yeah, survive and adapt was the name of the game in 2020 and 2021 it was it was tough very tough yeah and i can imagine what kind of strain that put on your team and your, with your partners right mm-hmm. and yeah. i know we a lot of i know partnerships are not easy and a lot of people mm-hmm. really underestimate that because i'm working yeah. with my friend what can go wrong right <laughs> so like yeah. partnerships almost like dating the other person it's like to work <laughs> yeah, i think it's more than dating honestly <laughs> um, my piece of advice is don't go into a partnership with your close friend it's, it's you're gonna strain it for sure and my also a piece of advice is go into a partnership with someone that like is good at something that you're not good at because if it's like two people good at the same thing it's gonna be butting heads like you need to be like hey you're really good at this you handle that you're really good at this just handle that side so you know definitely have like you know conversations about you know hey like i don't know about you know this price or whatever it is but that's not my that's not my world because you know i will stick to the creative and marketing side and you know my partners will stick to the the you know logistics and operations side and i just we generally don't like to cross paths or like cross into each other's fields too much just because you know then you get a little animosity you know what i mean so partnerships are very tricky and I, I've, I've luckily gotten into partnerships where my partners do compliment me a lot that's great that's great to hear especially during hardships right that's when mm-hmm. emotions are high stress is really high you gotta make Definitely. rent you gotta make payroll and all these other expenses uh, it's, it's like tough. yeah was there times where you're like man like not gonna work like Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, actually. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Half the pandemic was like, I've already accepted my fate of not being a nightclub owner anymore. Cause there was talks of like, Hey, this might never end or like, Hey, nightclubs may never come back because you know, this might be a forever thing. And you know, I kind of was like, you know what? I might lose, I might lose everything I worked for. I, and I was okay with that. What was the original question again? I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I was wondering if there's like times where your conversations with your partners oh, are yes. very heated. 
Yes, definitely. Dude, we, we got, we got into it so many times. There's points where I was like, dude, I don't know, dude, I don't know if I can do this. I, you know, like I'm worth so much more, bro. I can literally leave and, and open up my own shit and be successful. And, you know, but at the end of the day, you have to be loyal, you know, I, you know, like we, we all did this together and we have to be loyal together and we have to stick it through. But yeah, there's, there's definitely been times where we've, we've gotten at each other's throats. Thanks for sharing the non-rosy things. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when you're in entrepreneurship, you're dealing with so much uncertainty. And most of the time it's like, you feel like you're falling off a cliff by trying to build a house at the same time. <laughs> yeah. By arguing at your partner, <laughs> like, why is this not working? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. But we you know we're, we're, we have a very healthy relationship and at the end of the day, it's because we're very good at what we do and what we do is the opposite. So we like to just stay in our lanes and, and just work hard. Yeah, I, I love that a lot for sure. So Maggie and I have supported your business a lot. Awesome. Like, here we go. I'm sad I never like formally met you when you guys were there. No worries. But, See you yeah. stage though. You're just too yeah. far. Like, you're not going to reach this guy. <laughs> oh man. But hey, the you one have thing- to like pass by all the girls to get to do <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but the one thing we didn't notice about like, every time we came out to arena, the experience is always really good. Right. Awesome. And we talked to like, the bottle girls and like, we see, we feel like the culture that you built is very, very healthy. And mm-hmm. everyone seems very like delighted that they're working for you. Right. Yeah. So what advice do you have for like people building a team, building a culture, mm-hmm. especially in the face of uncertainty, right? Where it's yeah. like, is David going to fire me? Is the pandemic a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you probably make more money off, you know, government funding. <laughs> EDD. Yeah. EDD. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that I think I can't take credit for is the, the Asian community is, is so close and tight knit. And we share a bond through a lot of the same struggles and a lot of the same idealisms. So like having a staff of like a lot of Asians already sets a precedence for me. We already go into work with implication of like uh, respect already. And all you got to do, at least for me, all I needed to do was show up and like, just be nice, you know, be a nice owner. Don't, don't be an asshole. Yeah. I've definitely had times where like I've yelled at people, but you know, I've always taken my bottle girls out like for, for dinner. I've always like, you know, always tipped them, always made sure that they, they felt like appreciated and, and they always did. They built the culture themselves. I couldn't take all the the credit to myself because especially arena k-town it was the very first club we opened and we honestly didn't know what we were doing a lot of it was like hey we don't know what we're doing can you guys try to figure it out let us know what works the best so a lot of a lot of what arena k-town staff was they felt like they owned it too because they like figured it out with us so yeah i love it that's that's a very healthy culture right because you have a team there with more experience instead of telling them smart people and capable people what to do you have them sort of just teach you and you, know, you guys all learn it together. So I really, really like the fact that you appreciate your team. Oh, definitely. hundred percent. It's definitely like mm-hmm. a, a newer mentality that we all have, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like the old mentality, our parents like treat your employees like shit, <laughs> you know? but it doesn't really <laughs> flow with, with the new. Yes. Yes. No, but I totally agree. I think like the Asian aspect of it too, like you already go into the office with, knowing like everyone kind of has like this mutual mm-hmm. understanding because everyone's yes. like, you know, has similar cultures. So that's a really important piece to it. Yes. Like respect is such, is, is so ingrained in our culture growing up that like when you go into the workplace, it's already there. So all you need to do is, is set the rules and, and make sure they follow it and, you know, make a nice culture for yourself. I, I like that for sure. And David, you know, as we're ending, nearing the end of the podcast, I'm kind of mm-hmm. curious, like what is, what is next for the arena 
nightlife group, right? And I don't know why I keep drawing parallels to Zoo Group in Las oh, Vegas. Yeah. Cause right? they're, they're Asian owned too. Yeah, I feel like your stories are like very similar. Like mm-hmm. Andrew's story. Yeah, shout out, shout out Will from Zook. Uh, good friend of ours. He used to uh, manage Dre's. Now he's at Zook. He we know Will. Yeah, oh, you know, know Will. Will. Yeah. yeah, we know Will. Oh, oh awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, awesome. Oh, it's such a small world. Yeah, so yeah. What's next for Arena? We've acquired a lot of clubs in the last year. And we are neck deep in work. And, you know, good people and good managers are hard to find. So right now in the interim six to eight months, we're just working on training our managers and making sure our, our venues logistically, operationally have the right operations, I guess, lack of a better word. Culture, I think is, is great. Yeah. So right now it's just finding the right workers, finding the right managers, training the managers, making sure we have the right logistics in all of our clubs in the next six to eight months. In the next like five years, you know, I, I think we might slow down in the acquisition because um, I think we're, we're starting to feel the, it's not just two times the work having two clubs. It's not just five times the work. It's like 10 times the work because every city is different. Every city has its own culture. So you got to adapt to that. Uh, you got to be local. You got to understand the local crowd. You got to understand like local mandates, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's a lot more work. You can't just copy paste a nightclub. So right now with five, we're, we're pretty like, okay, let's just work this out. So we probably won't be acquiring any more nightclubs in the next two, three years, hopefully. I mean, not hopefully, but you know, we might do one or two. We want our end goal is to open a club in Vegas. So to acquire enough capital to be a real big player, like not just like your local K-Town club or your local San Francisco club. We want to be like a big contender in the huge nightclubs because that's where you make like the stupid, stupid money. But you, we, we got to get there first. We're not going to jump the gun. And for me personally, I would like to retire by like 40. <laughs> I've already set that in my mind, like 40, 45. I just want to be done with this nightlife industry, be done with the entertainment industry because it's, it's, it's tax it's you know it's a lot of work and, and just work on like passion projects for me just things that make me happy things that uplift my community and just live the life i didn't live in my 20s and, and 30s yeah that's i mean thanks for sh- sharing that it's that's awesome man and uh, it's funny because if you didn't say vegas i'd be like david like we see you in vegas one day like come we out were to vegas. literally just talking about that brian and i were like david needs to come out to vegas and open yeah. a nightclub here yeah <laughs> i'm actually going to vegas next week for a nightclub convention funny oh. enough Vegas hosts like a nightclub convention for like all nightclub owner operators uh, we'll see if I learn anything there about Vegas nightclubs yeah yeah I mean yeah there's no doubt in my mind that you guys will get to your goal right? and we do have one final question David yeah. that question is you know you know earlier how you mentioned that you get like 200 text messages on a daily basis mm-hmm. throughout this entire podcast I don't know if you guys heard it but we heard the, the thing like so yeah times. my things I silenced everything and somehow they're still going through yeah and if we really emphasize the importance of taking care of yourself setting boundaries and mental mm-hmm. health at the mm-hmm. end of the podcast right definitely what are how are th- how do you shut things Things off whenever things get too overwhelming, or you need to like be like, okay, this is my time, no longer work time. Like, hmm. do you have any advice for entrepreneurs in that grind and hustle that can't shut it off? It's a great question because I need to reflect on myself with that too. Personally, I think for me, I think to backtrack on that question a little bit, a lot of people often ask, how do you find your passion? Like, how do you know you're passionate about something? Like, I, I don't want to work for this because I'm not passionate about it. I've always been an advocate of saying, passion is not about what you want to do. Passion is about like your intent. Like you could do anything and be passionate about it. You just got to believe that you're passionate about it. Right. And I think it's, it's very cringe for me when people say like, oh, I quit this because I wasn't passionate about it. Sure. I would quit things because it's not a priority for me. 
And, but I'm always passionate in everything I do, whether it's engineering, whether it's DJing, whether it's club ownership, I'm always passionate in everything I do. And I say that to say this, I think at least for me, like this whole mental health thing and, and learning to shut things off. Yes, it's important. But for me, the same way that I'm just passionate in everything I do, I don't let that mental health, oh, I don't let that get to me. So I never shut it off, unfortunately. So like my advice, I don't know, because I don't ever, I don't, I think I don't ever shut off, but not in a bad way. Like I don't ever feel burnt out. I never feel this is too much. I'm going to like explode because I've always, you know, my mentality is, is this is what you love to do. And this is what you signed up for. So just do it. So yeah, mental burnout, definitely a real thing. I like to to my way of, of circumventing it is in my head. Like, hey, this is what you're doing. This is what you signed up to do. Just do it. You know, this is, you know, there's worse, there's worse out there. There's people who are struggling and not in your position. So just do it. And I don't let myself get burnt out that way. Other people might need to take breaks or take a vacation or, you know, take a medica- meditation every day, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I just personally don't do any of that. That's really good. I mean, you said like you don't have an advice, but I feel like that was already an, an advice in itself. <laughs> yeah, because it never feels like work. Yeah, <laughs> it never feels like yeah. work. It's just what I do. This yeah. is it's just I signed up for this. I'm a leader in my community. You know, I, I need to do it. So I never yeah. I never let it get to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you. Like some people try to find that passionate thing that they're passionate about for the rest of their life. And, you know, if you, if you keep thinking that way, it's possible that you may never find that passionate thing. Right. I I think you honestly won't just like how, if you always live to how much money you'll make, you'll never be satisfied about how much money you make. Right. right? Same thing with passion. I feel like if you're always looking for the next thing you're more passionate about, you won't, I don't think you'll find it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's inside you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for that advice, David. So our last question is where can our listeners find out more about you and all of your nightclubs online? Oh yeah, sure. My personal Instagram is dho creates, dho creates. The nightclubs, let's start with Arena K Town, you know, arenaktown.com, IG Arena K Town, then you have Arena SF, similarly arenasf.com or at arenasf on Instagram. Uh, we have our newest nightclub commissary. It's at commissary lounge, but the website is at thecommissarylounge.com. We have Opal, uh, which is our new South Bay San Jose nightclub that we're soft opening this weekend actually. Website is opaleventcenter.com, but we might change that. Uh, Instagram is Opal Social Club. And then we're opening SIP, which we're super excited about in about a month and a half. And that is our spinoff alcoholic boba bar. Like our, our alcoholic boba did so well at the nightclubs that we wanted to do a spinoff, smaller bar, more sophisticated, more grown, just to do craft alcoholic boba. And that's, I'm super excited for that one. Instagram is SIP Boba Lounge and websites, sipbobalounge.com. Awesome. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to check out SIP that's and quite Opal. The list. I know that is yeah. quite the list. <laughs> yeah. I get tired of just saying it all. <laughs> You're like, uh, what are they going <laughs> to? Yeah. Like what are all the websites? We're going to have you come back and like, the next 10 years and be like, all right, David, here's a 20 minute segment of everything you created in the last 10 years. <laughs> oh, man. oh, sorry. I forgot to shout out Academy of DJs. Oh my gosh. Oh uh, yeah. Academy of DJs, my DJ school. Uh, it's in Orange County Academy DJs, Academy of DJs.com or Instagram at Academy of DJs. We, we do one season every six months and over 200 people apply every season. And we only accept about like 10. So the acceptance rate is lower than Harvard. And we really like, we really groom these people to be all-star DJs. And it's like a, if a military boot camp and a fraternity had a baby, that's Academy of DJs. So yeah, that's, that's my school. 
Amazing. We're going to leave all of that in the show notes. David, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. It was so amazing hearing your thank story. You. Thank you, David. Yes, thank it. you for taking the time to interview me. Of course. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.